What do you do when you're facing challenges to remember that God is all there is? How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Good morning, everybody. It's Tracy here and Leslie, and we want to welcome you to Say Yes to Spirit. If you're with us now, whether you're listening live or to the recording, you must be ready to say yes to Spirit (laughs) and see how be open to all the ways that Spirit can operate in your life. Um, So we're glad you joined us. And every week we have a theme, and... um, we're waiting for Leslie to choose one. <laughs> and so once she's chosen there one, you she'll go. tell us what no it is. pressure. Falling in love with spirit. It's an interesting concept. I heard uh, Reverend Petra Wildest one time at the Center for Spiritual Living throw out that idea about falling in love, having a love affair with spirit. And um, that sounded a little kind of perverted when I first heard it, but it kind of was uh, interesting, and uh, I think that would be interesting. If if I am spirit, then it would translate into falling in love with myself. That's what I'm thinking. That's really what I want to talk about. Let's talk about Leslie falling in love with Leslie for an hour. I think that would be like free therapy and possibly quite entertaining. <laughs> Always entertaining. Always. And so every week we have a theme, and that's our theme for this this episode of Say Yes to Spirit, Falling in Love with Spirit. But before we dive into that, we always connect the dots with our most recent theme. In this case, it was family. So family and falling in love with spirit. You know, that's an interesting connect the dots for me because if I... Good. See spirit in my family, i.e. mother. Um, perhaps I could fall in love with them. That that part. That's great, isn't it? Oh, that's terrific. That's suggesting that spirit is such an itty bitty tiny part of her, and then this whole other kind of glom of not really nice person is this other bigger part that I can't fall in love with. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I did have a mother moment this week that um, I'll share with you at some point, but I don't know that it really fits with the theme, but I feel the need to talk about it. So at the end of the day, it'll have to come out somehow, some way. Okay. <laughs> That's my Connect the Dots. That's a very interesting Connect the Dots for this All week. in love with my band. Uh, and we'll be back talking about our theme for this week, Falling in Love with Spirit. But we're going to take a quick break, so stretch, get something to drink, uh, relax, meditate for one minute, (laughs) but come back in a minute and join us on Say Yes to Spirit. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit. And this is 
show number 217, and the theme is Falling in Love with Spirit. Did you ever, do you ever consider that? Do you think of falling, do you, see, I guess I have a, you know, concept of falling in love in terms of romanticism, but falling in love with spirit, so that's why it kind of seemed a bit perverse when I first heard Petra talk about it, but then the concept of, you know, how one falls in love and how one, you know, creates that sense of oneness, it was sort of, it really did kind of, um, it allowed me to see the relationship with spirit as kind of a love affair. And it was kind of, it was kind of fun. I, I kind of got into it. I remember it was four or five years ago, and that's been several months after that, kind of looking at that concept of falling in love with spirit. And then thinking about it more recently, it's more like falling in love with spirit within, which would be me. I was in the room that day when that talk was, or that concept was shared, and uh-huh. I remember thinking, pervert. No? No. <laughs> I remember thinking, how cool is that? Ah, look at you, way ahead. That... You know, the whole idea of when you're falling in love with someone mm-hmm. in the human experience, you're always looking for the good, mm-hmm. right? You're mm-hmm. always looking, you're you're curious because you're falling in love with them and, and usually that means, or often that means you either didn't know them before or you're seeing a whole different side of them than you ever had before. And you every day you're anticipating mm-hmm. your time with this mm-hmm. person, whether it's on the phone or, <clears throat> you know, nowadays it would be via text messages <laughs> or, you know, having lunch together or, you know, going to dinner. or, And so I thought, how cool is that? What if I thought about I woke up in the morning and I just can't wait. Yeah to spend time with God today, right? Right. And all throughout the day, I'm thinking, oh, do I have five minutes so I could, like, check in with God? And, you know, so for me, it was a very playful and aha moment of do I really, you know, on the one hand, I take my relationship with God for granted that I'm, it's mm-hmm. there, it's always there for me. We're connected in in a way that there can never be any separation. So it's kind of like I'm in love and I've been in love for 50 years and so I know <laughs> what to right? Yeah. And so that, that, that day it was, oh, what if I'm falling in love? What if I'm in those stages of amazement and awe and anticipation mm-hmm. and I just can't wait. Mm-hmm. Um, and and always, I just can't wait because what's more good? Like, uh-huh. I'm always looking for the good. So it's no surprise that we have very different <laughs> immediate reactions. No, I was like, I don't think that ever crossed my yeah. mind until you and I talked about it, like, right after or a few weeks later or something. It's like, really? <laughs> Poor Leslie. <laughs> We're so sad for Leslie. <laughs> no, just really? Wow. I just, it never crossed my mind that somebody would think about that. Although I think she does, did refer to in her talk, um, you know. The human definition of what that means. You know, and for me it's like the falling in love and staying in love. Mm. And not thinking about the breakup or the, you know, mm. so just that, that, that time period mm-hmm. when, when it's new and it's fresh and it's desirable and all of that. And it's a, it's an interesting thing for me to think about as well in terms of, like you were saying, if I wake up in the morning in anticipation of excitement of what can Spirit and I do today, you know, how can you know, what's going to happen next, what little gift along the way is spirit going to leave in my day. If I'm always on the lookout, I know um, with the women in the jail, I'll do this, what I call a serendipity journal with mm-hmm. them. And it's, uh, when you think about being in jail and, you know, you have a, you know, 50, I don't know, half of a football field because they're in these open pods. There's 
64 women living together. So, you know, you have that little tiny contained space. So what kind of serendipity could you look for? But it's interesting when they start looking for, you know, how is spirit showing up for you? Well, maybe spirit shows up that, you know, somebody comes and sits by you and has this book that you had been wanting, but nobody had sent it to you, and suddenly here's this book that they had gotten into the jail, and you wanted it, or possibly, uh, you know, there's more than one time people will um, talk about how they got in the shower and there was hot water, and they, you know, it's very rare to have hot water in Dallas County Jail. So, you know, to be able to really be on the lookout for those little tiny ways that spirit is showing up and giving me a smile or giving me a reassurance or giving me a here I am, um, instead of just kind of discounting that and saying, oh, well, just hot water. Oh, well, that was a coincidence. Or, oh, well, that was interesting. But to really sort of bathe in that and just kind of lay down in that and be in awe in that and be in, you know, sort of like, wow, that happened and that's God and that's that's all there is ultimately. And it's, I guess, because I always want to say things like that, I think then, you know, what about the mornings when I wake up and there's no hot water? Does that mean my relationship is over with God? There's no hot water. So, <laughs> like, okay, how does that work? So the balance of keeping that inner that inner connection going, even when there's no real evidence of it, you know, to allow that um, understanding of that God, my relationship with God is like a constant mm, vibration or a constant, and in many ways, just having that, oh, what's the, the emotion or the energy or the excitement, then I think in some ways, I'm going to have the same experience, metaphorically, whether there's hot water or cold water, because I'm in that state of euphoria with God. Would that be possible? I don't know. I have to think about that. And then I don't necessarily say, oh, there's no hot water, so now there's no God. And I wonder if, do, do I, do I, do I, Leslie, want to take that to the extreme of that? I probably do. You know, oh. Probably. Oh, yeah. If it's an extreme, I most likely definitely always do that. And I think there are people who could do that kind of, um, equation that yesterday that there was hot water and so there was God present. Today there's not right. hot water and God's not present. Right. Right. Which I find that kind of hard to believe but but it's a common thing. But I can see how the human brain would be trying to say A and B. If it's A, it's A and if it's B, it's B and not make the other connection. So, yeah, I could see how that could happen. And there's such a huge ponder for me in terms of the idea that God gave me the hot water. God took the hot water away. He wouldn't want to put uh, that they took it away. God gave, God take it. And that's a real slippery slope. And I think... Um, it's interesting, even in conversations with family members in the last couple of weeks, I've, I, I, I've come to understand that one of my sisters has more of that kind of connection to God. God mm-hmm. giveth, God taketh away. Mm-hmm. Why do they have the TH at the end, giveth? Is that an older, makes it sound deeper, scarier? But um, And I don't understand that, but then it does, I guess, like you say, the human mind, the the external experience would seem to lend itself to that. And so how to keep that spiritual romance going regardless of what the external circumstance is. So that's an interesting word, the spiritual romance. And so I guess when I think of this idea of falling in love with spirit, when I fall in love with someone, it's deeper than than romance or seduction or you know, which seems to be more um, a give and a take, a a give to get. Yes. (laughs) That was one of those wise therapists, yes. Yes, there you go. 
Um, and so if I really am falling in love with who you are and how you are, I am looking for the essence of who you are, uh-huh. right? The, uh-huh. That deeper person and the totality of mm-hmm. who you are, mm-hmm. um, which is different than um, a dinner. Well, it's like all of those things may... I'm looking forward to spending that time with you so I can really get to know you. And that's different than I'm looking forward to spending that time with you for what you can do for me. Can I get a free meal? Yeah, in a fancy restaurant and you pay for it. I mean, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Or or I'm gonna, I'm looking forward to the fancy dinner in the fancy restaurant and I'm willing to pay for it because what I'm looking for is sex at the end of the night mm-hmm. from you. Yes. So it's that, that exchange mm-hmm. piece. But really... Um, for me, when I think about falling in love, it's wow! It's it's the deeper part of me falling in love with the essence of who you are, and wanting to have that essence in my life, and to be doing things in a way that I get to experience and explore that essential nature of who you are, and all the ways that we're like, but all the ways that we're different as well. So the love word shifts it for me to a different and deeper level than the romance word mm. or the date word, dating mm-hmm. word. Mm-hmm. Um, and so truly, if I'm falling in love with spirit, I'm falling in love with you know this unlimited nature of creation, then I'm going to see that everywhere I go, not just in me, not just in my own life, but I'm going to see it in every situation. So that's interesting. So you'll see it in the cold water as well as the hot water. That's really deep. That's really deep. Yeah. In that example, you know, the the um, the shift for me, just being an observer of it, is, you know, yeah, I wanted hot water, and there the hot water was. I've been thinking about hot water. I've been craving the hot water. There the hot water is. Once I had that hot water, then I didn't, it was like, oh, I've had that experience. It's been uh, fulfilled. So then did I shift that my expectation is now there will always be hot water? When I was thinking about it before as hot water is a rarity and I really would like some hot water, I get the hot water. The only way I can be disappointed the next day when the water's not hot is if I had that subtle shift go on that means, well, now I'll have hot water forever. And really, up to the day before, what I was thinking about was it would be so great to have one shower with hot water because in my mind the norm is not hot water. And the next day it goes back to the norm, but I haven't really requested anything other than the norm then. Just give me a hot shower. What would I do for a hot shower? Ah. So I wouldn't see God not present the next day uh-huh. because of the way that I put it into the law. I see that. That's interesting. And see, now I'm thinking of Daddy God again, right? Because Daddy could give it hot water all the time. If Daddy the God really cared about me, <laughs> yes, Daddy God would give me hot water. I wouldn't even have to ask for it because Daddy God would know that that's really what I want. Oh, I like that idea so much. Where is that universe? You How do I incarnate there into Daddy God universe? You are a little attached to that. Mm-hmm. But it is an interesting concept, this idea that if I fall in love with God, if I use that as the core basis of my experience, you raised your hand as if you had a really deep thought, I don't want you to lose it. Go ahead. No, I'm, yeah, I want you to say it. Well, you said, if I fall in love with God. Uh-huh. You like the word if? <laughs> I'm still deciding. <laughs> I'm not cheap. I'm going to decide. I said, it's going to take some time. It's going to have to be some. Well, I, I think it was intentional. And and I've not had this conversation with Dr. Petra, but the, the using the active tense falling. of the verb, mm-hmm. I am falling in love mm-hmm. today, 
tomorrow. I am falling in love. That is always after. Oh, now that's interesting. Versus once I fall in love, then Then I'm in love. Then I'm like that old married couple. And and so it's every day, am I falling in love? Am I taking this to a deeper level? And I didn't really, that didn't click for me until you said, if I fall in love. And then it's kind of like, well, it's a done deal. I've done that. I can check that box, and now I can move on and do something else. But the sense that I get from the phrase is, no, every day do I wake up and say, I'm falling in love with God. Mm -hmm. I am falling in love today. Yeah, that shifts everything, doesn't it? And it's interesting, the last few days I've actually gotten up and meditated. Thank you, Tracy Brown. Say good luck. Good job, Leslie. Pat me on the head. Good job. Good job. Go ahead. Good job. <laughs> she refuses. Okay, anyway. Well, good job, Leslie. I'll give my own self. So, um, but it, it, it is fascinating how what you just said, when I get up and I go sit on my deck and I have that, and I had like a 30-minute meditation one time this morning and this week. Wow. Wow. So, anyway, um, there you go. When I was doing that... I had that experience of falling in love, and I was amazed. It is kind of like when you haven't been around water for you know months, and then you get you know a little bit on your lips. Because I was amazed at how absolutely cold water felt hot all day. It just didn't matter if the light was green or the light was red. There was this inner welling of awe and excitement and anticipation of good. And the actual events had very little, actually no, that one day that I did the 30 minutes, had really no effect on my inner welling of well-being and excitement. And so, oh, that light's red. I can't wait for the next green light. Or, you know, it wasn't even in, I wasn't conceiving it. wrong with the red light. Right, right, right. There you go. That's the deeper thing. That's it. Wow, let me, look, oh, look look at that car. Yes. I'm noticing what's around me. Yes, yes. There was no, that's that. We should write that down. There was no presumption that the red light meant something. So instead of looking at, oh, this is really deep, so looking at that cold water and saying, oh, there's the presumption that now suddenly I'm being punished or God's gone away or things aren't going to work out or see, I told you, it was just a fluke, that the um, energy and the excitement and the light of falling in love, of being, you know, connected there's not a presumption or a perception that the external has any meaning, really. You know what's interesting? What just two things went through my mind just now as you were talking. One of them is this idea of falling in love. If, if, again, if we step into our human experience, when we're falling in love with some another human being or a new pet that mm-hmm. we brought into our home, we're falling in love. This with this new puppy that has not been tr- potty trained yet. <laughs> we don't focus on the mistake. Ah, yes. We focus on what we love about or what we're learning about that that pet. Or when we're falling in love with another person, um, we're fascinated by and and curious about the whole person, and we don't really expect them to be perfect. Mm -hmm. We just are falling in love with who they are. And so it is really interesting that if we take that concept to spirit, which actually is perfect, or God, who actually is the example of perfection, I'm falling in love with this perfection, but do we subconsciously in our human state start looking for where it's not Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Like God's not present here or or God's, you know, like that overlay of God is punishing me or God is giving and then taking away when really that's not the case at all. Mm -hmm. God is the constant. I may be, Mm -hmm. because I'm looking for some way that it's not working or it's not true, Mm -hmm. then I'm not in the falling in love stage. Mm -hmm. I'm in the let me show you what's wrong with it. Mm -hmm. Brain work. And it's my belief. Do you know, and I, uh, this is sort of actually kind of hard to say out loud, but 
I have sort of become addicted to a new person. Would you Would you like to guess? It's a he. He's on the TV. Go ahead. Joel. Oh, come on now. Have you listened to him? He's like, he he is he is a smart man. I mean, he's a smart human because he has morphed science of mind into Christian language. This man is genius from a marketing standpoint. But anyway, also from a spiritual standpoint, because he's bringing in every core concept of metaphysical thinking and putting it into a Christian context, in a Christian uh, metaphors. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's genius, really. And it's going to help all lots of people who need it in that language, who need it in that form to be Absolutely. able to use it. And so there is a Joel Olstein radio station on XM Radio. And I listened to like six hours of Joel Olstein the last two days. And it's, A, it's kind of psychotic because he kind of says the same thing over and over again. So it's almost like you go into some sort of like altered state because he's sort of just saying the exact same thing. But he had his most interesting, and I'll get the, the stories from him, he had two most interesting metaphors about um, stories in the Bible that, A, I really had never even really heard of in the Methodist Church. But one, there was this group of bones that were dead, and the idea that the bones could come back alive if someone believed that they could. And so his metaphor was that, you know, spirit, of course, God, Jesus, forget if it was New or Old Testament, could make these bones alive. But he told this person, this human, you have to believe it, and then that will manifest. Mm-hmm. And so it was the belief. So, so you know, God's spirit is, like you said, always there, always perfect. It's my belief that activates it. And so my belief of activating that sense of being in love and falling in love and doing that, you know, believing in the circulatory kind of energy of falling in love. I'm giving out love, I'm getting love, I'm giving out love, I'm getting love. It's the belief of that that wakes up the bones. And then another metaphor that I thought was so interesting is, I guess, did Lazarus die in the Bible? Did he die? Did somebody die? He had sisters. Jesus was supposed to come heal him, and he died. He was dead when they got there. Is that Lazarus? I get the names. Oh, look at you. You went to you went to Baptist church. I know you read the Bible in the Baptist church. We don't really read the Bible in the Baptist church. But anyway, so there was someone who died. He had sisters, and the sisters had called Jesus to come heal him. And he got there like four days later or something. And so the sisters were angry at Jesus. You know, as angry as they got in the Bible, yes, at Jesus. But, you know, unhappy. And so Jesus said, go back to the day that he died. Think back to that moment. And then Jesus obviously rose him from the dead, right? So, but the metaphor, I thought this was, again, is so interesting. I'm going to see his part. He said, you have to go back to that point that you had lost faith or lost a sense of being in love. And that's where you pick it back up. It's almost like you have to understand what has happened over the course of my human experience that has taken me away from this anticipatory hope. You know, when the, when the sisters were anticipating Jesus is on his way, Jesus is going to heal my brother, Jesus, and all the excitement of that and the energy of that and the love of that and, the you know, the, the belief in that. And then Jesus didn't show. He died. What the? That's not how that's supposed to happen. Oh, well. And then you start reaffirming that story, you know, that Jesus, he just can't be held, you know, he can't be that great because he didn't show up. And so then you start looking for all the different ways that the disappointment in God, right? God didn't do this, God didn't do that. And so it's like that human journey going back to that space where that first betrayal happened. I think this is all very deep. We should listen to this three or four times. There's a lot of layers to that. I'm sure. (laughs) But it's interesting. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and, it's, and if you pull it into that idea of falling in love, it's, it's you know, how do we stay in that state of being, as you said, falling in love with spirit and not letting it become. And no one else can 
mm. do it can Warming. keep us in mm. that state mm. or take us away from it. Yes. And we, again, if we go back to our human experience, I mean, just think, I mean, everybody has a story of someone they fell in love with and their parents didn't approve, <laughs> or someone they fell in love with, and even their friends mm-hmm. were like, that person is not good for you, or that person is an axe murderer, you better be careful. I mean, you know, you have people around you saying you shouldn't be loving that person, mm-hmm. but you were still falling in love with that person because mm-hmm. you wanted to be in love with that person. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, and, and you know, nobody else can 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 be in love for you or can make you choose to not be in love, not mm-hmm. falling mm-hmm. in love. Mm-hmm. No one outside of you can do that. So they can't pull you away from it if you choose to do that, and they also can't make you. So we all, you know, have read or heard stories of, especially in societies or in earlier times in the U.S. where there were arranged marriages Mm. and your parents or the community or someone else decided you're going to marry this person. They couldn't make you fall in love with that person. They They couldn't make you marry them, absolutely, obviously, but they couldn't make you fall in love with them. That had to be, and a lot of times people will say, well, we got married and and now I'm really I love this person, you know, twenty years later, ten years later. But that was then a choice. This person is kind, this person is nice, I'm falling in love with him. But I'm sure for everyone that every arranged marriage that was that way, there were many more. Where they never fell in love. They developed a relationship, they mm-hmm. developed a family, mm-hmm. they were able they have some patterns and mm-hmm. habits but that doesn't necessarily mean either one of them fell in love with the other. Yeah, and I'm wondering if that's kind of like a people that go to get into a church situation because, you know, they have to go to church or they're, you know, there's this social thing to do. And so I go to church on Sundays, but I don't really have a relationship with God or spirit. Right. I don't I've never, never really fallen in love right. with God. never fallen in love with God. I've never it's a habit that I go yeah. to church every right. Sunday. It's a habit that I'm a part of the women's auxiliary. It's a well, habit it's, that... Or it's an expectation that I will become a deacon because my dad was a deacon and my grandfather was a deacon, and so, and I've been in, going to this church since yeah. I was, you know, an infant. We had to rest. And so, of course, now that I'm in my mid thirties or early forties, that's what you do mm-hmm. because you're a responsible man Remember in this society. community, mm-hmm. and so this community called church means that I bring my kids here, and I've been bringing my family here for 20 years, and so now I'm, that's the step of leadership. That that executing on that responsibility or role may not have anything to do with falling in love with mm-hmm. God. You know, what's interesting is if you look at those two, if you look at an arranged marriage and you look at a marriage where they fell in love and they're standing in line together at the grocery store, those two couples. You can't tell the difference. Yeah, it'd be very hard to initially tell the difference, but there would be, if you looked closely, subtle little differences that make all the difference in terms of like eye contact or maybe brushing up against one another or holding a hand or... You know, somebody drops something and the other one, you know, immediately kind of goes to pick it up. There would be little subtle differences that would be, like, huge. But if you look just first glance, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. And I think that's a really interesting metaphor between being in love and then having the arranged relation, the arranged marriage with God. I like that. I have an arranged marriage with God. Actually, was isn't a, that what most, what many, unfortunately, many people have? They have an arranged marriage. I think with that's God. a great metaphor. There's, you know, there's a dowry. You know, whatever that is. You know, well, I'm going to do this so that I can get into heaven, right? That's, you know, I'm going to pay my whatever here. That's a great Sunday talk. There you go. Make reference to me when you're doing it. It gets on Oprah. And then with my friend Leslie, one day. I was thinking it would be a great talk for you. (laughs) But it is an interesting thing. It's a very deep metaphor. 
and 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 must we become conscious? And you know, I think I can. Gosh, I'm like 17 different people. I can fall into an arranged marriage with God, you know, on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and then Thursday fall back in love, and then Friday get a divorce, and Saturday ask for child support, and then Sunday, you know, get back into falling in love. So, and again, in that whole scenario, I'm the only thing changing. Clearly God is not changing. Clearly God is staying the same. You're writing it down. It must be really powerful. If you don't want to, there you go. Put a little trademark after it or something. And now I'm thinking of the concept of, you know, how when (laughs) falling in love and, and starting a family, you know, bringing other, you know, having children, adopting children, bringing in friends, you know, it, it is an interesting concept in my falling in love with God, I think absolutely does ripple out. You know, I'm very conscious um, the program at the jail. We are we are not a Christian program. We're a 12-step program based on the 12 steps and a higher power, but we're a deeply spiritual program. And it's really um, because a lot of the language in jails are around Christian language. I'm kind of overly, imagine me being overly dramatic in the opposite direction of trying to, you know, spirit, use, you know, not use the pronoun he, use she, just to kind of mix things up. And um, it is interesting to see how spirit, my relationship with spirit, I think, ripples out into that pod in terms of sort of um, making, everybody can feel it. It's like when you when you walk in a room and you you know you've just fallen in love and you walk into a party, people can see it, people can feel it, and I do believe that most days, you know, I have the energy that senses you know sort of the connection of something that people are are drawn to, and it's and it's that that sort of rippling out of God through me, and it is kind of um, energizing to other people. And engaging, and I'm going to go back to entertaining as well. Being very quiet. And now you now you stopped writing. Entertaining. Engaging. God needs a good publicist. 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 <laughs> I don't make know God need make that, God. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, God doesn't need it, but I guess humans we need it for make it more interesting. I tell you, that Joel Osteen, he's going to do something. Maybe he already has. Uh, yeah. But he is really yeah, doing something. Bringing, bringing those two things together. We should have done that, Tracy. Why didn't we do that? That was something. Yeah, it's really, it is really interesting, this personalization of the relationship. I think that, too, is a big part of this idea of falling in love with spirit. It's a personalization of the relationship I have with God. Right. And one of the things that's really interesting for me, just as we're talking about it, is the personalization of the relationship with God and reconciling that with the generalized Christian perspective that you actually only get to God through Jesus. Mm. I always forget about that part. And so if I'm falling in love with God, with the creator with the origin of all of life. I mean, I can love, I can love, honor, respect, recognize Jesus as the child of God, as the son of God, but does that then remove that belief of the path is through God, and, and with the with the Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Um, See, I knew you knew you it was know, Lazarus, but you the, 
the truth is that what Jesus did often in the New Testament is Jesus made the reference to the Father. You know, it is the Father that doeth the work, not it is not I, mm-hmm. it is the Father. Or when you see me, you see the mm-hmm. Father. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, it's just a really interesting thing that is coming through my mind as we're talking about this idea of, you know, I think a lot of people I know who identify themselves as Christian would say, no, you have to fall in love with Jesus. Mm. Because it would be because, well, I don't even know. I don't think it would be blasphemous. I don't think it would be blasphemous to say I'm I'm falling I'm falling in love with God, but that still you can't get to God unless you go through Jesus, Mm. through the power of Jesus, through the Word of Jesus. Mm. So I think a lot of Christians I know would say, no, I'm falling in love with Jesus. But when I then think about that, what Jesus consistently says mm. is, it is not me. It Father is God. and I are one, yes. Right. Whether Father and I are one, or it is not me that doeth this, that, you know, it's really I, because of my belief and my understanding and my knowing that God is present. Mm-hmm. God is the one mm-hmm. that is doing this, and the combination of what you said earlier about. God's always doing this, and mm-hmm. it's just, do you believe? Mm-hmm. Do you believe this mm-hmm. can happen? Mm-hmm. Do you believe this is done? Or the the woman who, you know, was healed by touching the hem mm-hmm. of the garment, of Jesus' garment, you know, and he was really clear. I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. She believed so strongly mm-hmm. that simply mm-hmm. by being in my presence, she would be healed that she was healed because my presence is the presence of God showing up. Right. And it was and her that, belief that caused it. And it was her belief mm-hmm. that it could happen that actually caused it because God mm-hmm. was always mm-hmm. present mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. her healing, That's for her deep. best and highest good. It's months and months of deep right there, but yes. So what this is tr- also triggering for me is this idea of um, falling in love with spirit, touching the the hem of the garment, that when I am out in the world, if I am out in the world really acting from my Christ consciousness, the Mm -hmm. same consciousness that Christ acted Mm -hmm. from. Yes, we all have. How many people's lives Mm -hmm. would be, would I impact? Come on now. And be really clear that it's not me. It's God. That's the part I have trouble with. I want it to be me. But, yeah, <laughs> it's no fun to having a cult if I can't really be seen as the cult leader. But, yes, mm-hmm. think about that. <clears throat> and I, I love that because I think I have in times in my life when I'm really clear being that and me between the third and the fourth, my favorite, you know, third and fourth kingdom, in terms of conceptualizing being that channel that's coming through. And if I kind of do a little bit of meditation or a consciousness before I go into a 7-Eleven or before I go into a Tom Thumb, and I've played with this a lot, a lot over the years, I can absolutely sense that I'm connecting to that spirit within that other person in line. And there's some something that shifts like way beyond, oh, I like those glasses even though on a human level the exchange may be just that simple, there is absolutely an energetic shift that helps both of us. And that, um, like you said, if we all kind of stayed in that sense, in that awareness, in that state, everything would change. You know, and I'm aware of doing that consciously and intentionally, you know, as a licensed practitioner. And if someone asks me for prayer, um, I'm really clear in the process of doing that spiritual mind treatment or that prayer or even just sitting and talking with someone, you know, if I'm when I'm really conscious and aware. I'm having this conversation mm-hmm. with them as a practitioner, and it is often that people will say, you know, oh, 
you know, you changed my life, or, oh, I felt the energy shift, you, mm-hmm. or you're so good, mm-hmm. right? And because I'm intentionally unconscious in the process, you know, I'm really clear. I really didn't do anything. You know, or they'll say maybe in the prayer, in the prayer I've used some phrase or some image, and afterwards they'll say, I can't believe you said, you know, I see her as this really happy, excited, blah, blah, blah. And they'll be like, you know, that imagery meant uh-huh. something to me. Right. You know, and they'll say, well, how did you know? Or I can't believe. I had a white horse when I was little. Yeah. And, you know, like something, I could not know that, mm-hmm. right? And I'll be like, um, yeah, well, God knew. I didn't know. I just got out of the way and allowed the words I should use to come out because I wasn't thinking about them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it happens over and over again. So I know it's not just the physical limitation me, mm-hmm. you know, that that's, my mind is tapped into the one mind, the, the oneness. And the, for some reason that's what came out of, into my, the picture that came into my head and the words that came out of my mouth. But I think it's this, it is the same thing that, um, you want to believe, and I've just allowed God to really speak. God is using me to mm-hmm. speak to you, mm-hmm. to let you know that what you really are desiring or wanting or claiming has happened already. Mm-hmm. Just look around. And so I, so for me, this idea of falling in love with spirit does have to be a daily thing. Because it, it it really shifts how I show up, mm-hmm. and 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 a choice, and and I I keep coming back to this idea of spirit within, spirit within. So falling in love with spirit within would, in a strange way, be falling in love with myself, with spirit within. I'm really working on that concept between the third and the fourth kingdom. <clears throat> and so, as I used to say, I always say the third step prayer every morning, even when I don't meditate and don't have that high of an experience. I'll always say the third step prayer from um, from AA, and which is which is the third step prayer. You want me to say it? I don't know the pressure. Uh, <laughs> it is God. I offer myself to Thee. And so I always kind of have this visual, you know, offering myself out to Daddy God in the blue sky usually for you to do with me and build with me as thou wilt. So then I always had this image of, you know, Daddy God in the sky coming down through, do with me, be with me as thou wilt, so that I might better do thy will. This idea of, you know, that there's something for me to be doing. Take away my difficulties. There again is a metaphor of him, it, she, coming in. Take away my difficulties. That victory over them may bear witness to those that would help of your power. So, you know, then use me to ripple out to other people to help them see you. Help me to do I will always, I think, is at the end. But it, it, but I had this whole kind of dance in my head over the years in terms of this kind of circular thing through the 12-step prayer. So now I'm trying to do it from, like, my solar flex or my diaphragm or trying to, you know, put my hands on my diaphragm and say, you know, God within, and I've actually thought about trying to rewrite it. Perhaps that could be my Joel Olstein moment. I could rewrite it. I could bridge 12 steps in metaphysics. Um, you know, to, to rewrite it to have God within and, and having that relationship and understanding that, you know, there is within me spirit that's giving out into the world that has, you know, that I can... Um, do my own will from within me. I mean, it's really, it kind of throws the whole thing on its head, but it's really a powerful, it's like I think the most powerful idea that I'm falling in love with this this seed, this core, this thing within me. Mm-hmm. And then that, it's not like something I could ever lose or run away from or, you know, not be a part of because it's like, vibrating within me it's light within me it's not 
it's not something that I have to go get or I have to earn or I can You don't have to go stand in line and uh, camp out um, the night before and get in line to make sure you get into the... Revival? The Black Black Friday sale to get what you, you know, that one thing Mm -hmm. you really want Mm -hmm. or Mm the, um, yeah, the people lined up. Actually, because we've been talking about Joel Osteen so much today, um, you know, I was in Houston visiting my good, good friend, Kim, and we drove by Lakewood. We, you know, drove uh-huh. over the Sunday morning. We uh-huh. were on our way to Unity of Houston. <laughs> You were 12 people and, in Unity. Um, no, well, Unity of Houston is a really large yeah. and active oh, church that, you know, has over 1,000 people. Oh, on good for the uh, But 1,000 people seems like 10 when you look <laughs> at, you know, all of the the many, many, many thousands of people who are lined up mm-hmm. trying to get into into Lakewood. And, and you you know, they're, they meet. And you know, we used to be a huge arena. Yeah, I've been there. And right, and mm-hmm. then so just looking at the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, it's like going to a football game. Right. So you're you're thinking all of these people are going mm-hmm. to have this experience together. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah, being in line. You don't mm-hmm. have to be in line. To have the same access, mm-hmm. you can say it all and sit on your back. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. And so that's, and you know, I think it's a both and because I think it's really, and we talk a lot about yeah. the importance of c- community. Community, right? And um, and there are many different ways that spiritual experiences, and so I think that is one way to have a spiritual experience to be with 10,000 people at Mm -hmm. one time. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't replace the need for you to have your personal individual experience, and I think that's where our spiritual practices come in, Mm -hmm. right? If I'm falling in love with spirit, my spiritual practices every day reinforces that connection. Yes, and taking the metaphor of the marriage, you know, you need to have time with just your partner. You know, you not if you're always at work or always at play or always out with your friends, if you're not nurturing that marriage, quote unquote, yeah. So it's kind of that metaphor plays out a lot. And can I just say that um, years ago, uh, my girlfriend and I, we did a mega church kind of um, uh, journey about who was most friendly to homosexuals. It was kind of fun. Teams so we went to Joelstein, we went to the Potter's House, we went to, um, who's the guy that told everybody to have sex in Dallas? The North Fellowship Bible Fellowship? Um, I don't know the reference. This mega church, and he told the uh, people that they needed to have sex three times a week. It was really interesting. He was on CNN. He's this huge, he's got a mega church in North Dallas. It's a fellowship. Well, there is Fellowship Bible that huge. has like six different or seven different churches now. Mm-hmm. That Six or seven thousand back in the, probably ten years ago. Oh, so it's fellowship. I just didn't know the yeah, part about yes, he telling did. people to have sex. Yeah, it was you made you got on CNN, Google it. And um, we went to uh, Prestonwood, yes, and it was interesting. I tell you, Joel Steens, they do have an amazing like you. They have volunteers at every point, from the point you get in that parking lot to the point you sit in your chair. You are ushered in. It's almost like you're gliding on an S. You know, it's really very well well orchestrated. But in terms of feeling like even beyond the, you know, who accepts gay people holding hands, who envelops spirit, who made us feel like, oh, you are part of a spiritual experience that you are now on floating in spirit was, are you ready for a drum roll? I bet you can imagine. Potter's house. I mean, that was just a phenomenon. And it was not very well organized, I have to say. We drove around, we just realized the parking space and getting in was not like, but... Was that in the original? No, it was... was in the new building? Uh-huh. In the new sanctuary? But it was five or six years ago. 
they probably improved that by now, but but in terms of the experience itself, wow. And there's a lot to be said for having that sort of spiritual community, and it it re-energizes that sense of falling in love. It's kind of like, oh my goodness, like you would go back on your anniversary, maybe you go back to where you had proposed, or you know you have a favorite restaurant. And you go back and, and it reconnects to that energy of the first time kind of thing. I think spiritual communities can do that. Yeah, I th- I do agree with that. I think a spirit- being involved and engaged in spiritual community absolutely does that, which is why you have certain rituals and certain, mm-hmm. you know, you, you create. And you look forward to, yeah. oh, you know, this time of year, you know, at any point during the year, you can say, oh, yeah, at this time of the year, this is what we do. Or mm-hmm. annually, at, in this month of the year, we do X, Y, and Z. It's it's not just for the predictability of it, but it is that cycle of you do remember. Mm-hmm. You know, every time there is a new member Sunday, every time there's a new member Sunday, I remember mm-hmm. the Sunday that mm-hmm. I became mm-hmm. an official new member and there was an old member, you know, <laughs> a pre, a mem- someone who was already a member standing behind me with her hands mm-hmm. on my shoulder or her hands in, on my back, mm-hmm. you know, and this idea that there's always someone in this community who's got your back. There's oh, always nice. someone, you know, someone had their <laughs> hands behind them, you know, and the hands behind them and the hands behind them, and now, and that's, and you will. The legacy, yeah. B. Oh, the I love that. Yes. Who is has your hands on mm-hmm. someone in the future mm-hmm. to help them become a part of this community or to become a part of this spiritual experience? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, okay, so we do new member Sundays twice a year, and every time awesome. I go immediately back in a breath. Mm. To remembering, and and in that sense, yes, it's falling in love with with spirit showing up as this is a welcome place for you to be who you are and to continue your spiritual deepening. See, I love that. I envy that. All I can remember is I dropped my rose. <laughs> it's like, oh man, that was rough. Should I pick it up? Should I not pick it up? Is it? My little person picked it up. That was good. But anyway, yes, I envy that. (laughs) And isn't that a metaphor? What do I choose to focus on? The frickin' rose is what I use. The dropped rose. (laughs) The dropped rose. (laughs) That's what I replay over and over again. Thank you very much. But I could. I could have that other replay if I so chose. So. There you go. Our time is winding down. Is there anything else we want to say about falling in love with spirit? Well, the concept of doing it every day, Tracy Brown, and you said that, and that's the key. And I think that my little 30-minute meditation, that's how I'm falling. That's my, you know, ritual of falling. I have to have that daily practice. And, uh, And whether or not I have hot water or cold water, green lights or red lights, if I'm... Falling in love, it all is the same. I love that, too. Those are my takeaways. Thanks for showing up, Tracy. So I could have... So that's all the time we have for us. <laughs> say yes to spirit. You don't want to say what I said? There was falling in love with spirit. Okay. And uh, please visit the show website, the show homepage. There's a list of all the previous topics and... You just scan through them and find a topic that interests you as your spiritual practice this week to remind you to fall in love with spirit all over again every day. Until we meet again, please say Say yes yes to spirit. spirit.